The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. you to turn to the book of Joshua tonight, first of all, the first chapters there. In the film, The Queen, a film about five years old, a film about Queen Elizabeth II, centered around the time of Princess Diana's death in that same period, the new Prime Minister of England was elected Tony Blair. And if in that film there's a portrayal of where he is instructed how to meet and greet the constitutional monarch, one ruler. So the charged affair instructs, when you reach the audience room door, go inside, stand by the door, bow from the neck, as you are introduced to the queen. The queen will extend her hand. You go to her, bow again. Then shake her hand. You will acknowledge her words by saying, yes, ma'am, as in ham. In her presence, in her company, never show your back. When dismissed, bow to the knee and kiss her extended hand, bow before exiting, walking backwards. All that to show a sense of appreciation for sovereignty, obeisance, acknowledgement of someone much greater. Isn't it strange how when we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he first came, made no such demands, Philippians tells us he emptied himself and made himself of no reputation. When he called his disciples, it was just a very casual toga that he was wearing, strolled up to them on the, on the seashore. Before he was uh, even born as a babe, he was acknowledged hardly at all in a remote town of Bethlehem. And when he grew up before he began his public ministry, He was just that carpenter's son. No great hurrah, no massive acknowledgement. And yet he is the one who comes into lives with surprising grace and changes every one of them if he comes into such a life. We read in the book of Joshua about one person I'd like to focus on tonight, and that is Rahab. In Joshua I should say chapter 2, after Joshua has been charged by the Lord and promised that the Lord will be with him as he was with Moses, we read in chapter 2 that Joshua sent out spies in verse 2. They went and entered a house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. 
And yet later on in those verses, verse 9 of 8 of chapter 2, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt, what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites on the east side of Jordan, when we heard of it, when you completely destroyed them, we heard of it, our hearts sank, for everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. I'm not sure how it worked, except I do know this that the Holy Spirit contacted her heart and started turning her to the things of God. He regenerated her, and when she was regenerated, everything changed. And that's how it should be. Undoubtedly, she was surprised, but we have the testimony that she was surprised by God's grace. God surprised her with His grace because God somehow showed her, and she knew that God had given them that land. She had heard of the works of the Lord. She confessed God as Lord in heaven above and in the earth beneath, which we do every Sunday when we pray the Lord's Prayer, don't we? And she asked for the salvation of her household. A lot in Scripture about salvation of households. God surprised her with grace. And then over in chapter 6, verse 23, Rahab, what a woman. God surprised her with a godly leader, Joshua. Joshua, whose name means the one who saves. Do you think that Rahab came to Joshua and said, Thank you, Joshua for saving our souls after that encounter? Do you think she listened after she came before the Lord's people and at the end of her life heard that charge of Joshua found in the last chapter of that book? Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness, said Joshua. Throw away The gods of your forefathers worship beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you think she said, yes, indeed, We are there with you, Joshua. I think so. God surprised her with godly leadership. It's a joy to follow godly leaders. 
She was entering into a whole new phase of living from what she had done and been and had before. And it was a blessed trip. When she knew what kind of things had happened in Jericho and then saw the merciful hand of God in her life, what a change. Why would she ever consider going back to the gods of the Amorites? Although some of the very Hebrew people did. Not Rahab. She followed the Lord. And God not only surprised her with grace and with a godly leader, Joshua, God surprised her with a godly husband. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 is the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God surprised Salmon, who would be her husband, with a wife that was godly, Rahab. When Rahab saw the walls of Jericho falling, when she was there as the person of waiting on the Lord with her family, having already freed those spies and directed them to go into the mountains instead of back across the river where the logical warriors would go after the spies, she carefully plotted and planned for them for their safety. But in the meantime, when they were gone, she was interviewed, you remember the story, by the king of the city. The terror that must have fallen on her could only be overmatched by the grace and trust that God put into her heart. She was willing says Dr. Francis Schaeffer, to suffer loss, to show her faith was valid. This woman stood in faith against the total culture which surrounded her in acute danger until Jericho fell. Maybe that's why we read in the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 11, this verse in verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. The brother of the Lord James, who wrote in his second chapter of his epistle, these words, speaking of two significant people in Old Testament history. First of all, Abraham, who believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. What a testimony of this woman whose faith produced immediate works. When God starts something, he's going to continue it. And here's the mystery and the joy and the surprising part of the grace of God that he would give her a godly husband. This faith, this faith, which Salmon was looking for in a woman who apparently could not find it because at the time of the judges, there was great disbelief and few really followed the Lord. And Salmon was a prince of Israel. And Salmon most, Salmon most loved about her, about this woman, Rahab, was the faith and the change he saw in her. For when in the time of the judges, 
When in that time everyone did which was right in his own eyes, Salmon saw Rahab doing right in God's eyes now. That's what saving grace does. It's surprising and it changes. In time, they married and God surprised her with a godly son. Now, you'll find that story if you turn over a book away from Judges to the next book in the Bible, and that's the book of Ruth. You see, their son, when you read Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, turns out to be a a man named Boaz. Boaz, what a testimony. We won't read the whole book of Ruth. We will look at a few verses. Boaz was a redeeming man. Now, who taught him about redemption, but mom and dad. Boaz was a boy trained up in Israel when many of the Israelites were going off and worshiping the gods of the Amorites and the gods that were predominant in the land of Israel at that time. But not Boaz, no. There was a mother who did that at one time, and it affected her her moral living, but God changed her. And now He is being taught, just as you are youth, just as we adults are taught by week and week in and week out by godly leaders, men and women, here at Westminster. That impacted him. He would listen to God's word. And this man, Boaz, a man who, as he grew up under the teaching of his mother, faced a lot of guff from all those Israelites that looked on the outward appearance and not on the heart of his mother. Indeed, sometimes the scars of the past are very evident in some people's estimation. And it seems that sometimes there are those who walk with a great stride toward the Lord, but there's always someone who has to dig find something wrong. Maybe it's like the Pharisees that dug and dug at those who were striving to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly, Rahab had learned to walk in a direction that looked to the Lord, not listening to the estimations of other men and women, and taught her son the same thing. You know, I learned long ago, you don't listen and don't get affected by what other people say and think. You've got to look to the Lord. In fact, even my own wife, sometimes I say and do things that she can't stand me. (laughs) It's just the way it is. When you've been married for 40 years, you'll more understand it then. That's just the way it is. Sinners, as our dear sister brought out, we are sinners yet, and we will not be totally changed till glory. But in the process of it, don't get stumbled and don't get shot down and don't give up because somebody doesn't understand or care, or see the change. God does, and he will work in our life to correct us more and more. But as this young boy, Boaz, grew up, his mom and dad insisted, insisted, you wait on God for your future spouse. I have to wait that long, I guess, said Boaz. 
And judging from the text, he seems not to be a young man. And when you read the book of Ruth, it just melts into one of the prettiest and most beautiful love stories that you could ever find. We read in the book of Ruth, chapter 2, you remember Ruth went with her husband into the land of Moab because of famine in Israel. And there, their sons married daughters of Moab. And in time, the husband died, Elimelech died, and did, as did her, their sons, Malon and Kilian. And so here is this woman, Naomi, with two daughters-in-laws. And you remember well the story, don't you, how one of them, at Naomi's urging, went back to her gods and her people. But Ruth said, no, no, I've seen something in you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I want what I've seen in you. So penniless, they came back into the land of Israel. And there we read in chapter 2, Naomi said in verse 3, Go ahead, my daughter. And so she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. There's always somebody that doesn't know what glean means. And I grew up in Pittsburgh in a city. I didn't know what it meant until I went to seminary. When you farm a field, and the, in the old days, the time of harvest came, and all the workers would go out and start cutting with the sickle and the scythe and getting the grain and the wheat. But some would drop on the ground. You wouldn't stop the operation to pick that up. You'd just keep on going. And God's Word in the Old Testament says that He leaves that which drops on the ground and that which is in the corners for the poor, for the strangers, for the visitors through the land so they don't starve to death. Sometimes if you even look at the Lancaster County fields after the harvest, harvester goes through, you'll find some of the farmers and children going out in the field and picking up the corn cobs and taking them into the, uh, into the store. Well, God would have preferred that that didn't happen. So people who are strangers and wayfarers could come and get nourishment when they didn't have any money. And so this was what Ruth was doing. And uh, she goes in the field, and notice in verse 4, just then, you know, God does things just at the right time. And this poor widow had a man come just at the right time into her life. And this man had waited a long time for just right woman to come into his life. And the Scripture says, Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Wouldn't it be great to go to a job and have your employer come up to you and say, The Lord be with you, my friend. You are a great worker. We need you. Not many things like that happen today. But this was the cause that Boaz had adopted. Because a woman named Rahab and a father named Salmon had taught him line upon line, precept upon precept, to love the Lord with all his heart and to strive to love his neighbor as well. They call back in verse 4, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz asked the foreman of his harvest, whose young woman is that? The foreman said, replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean. So verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. 
Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. You remember, it's a dangerous time of living in the time of the judges. Everyone did what was right in his own sight and not after the things of the Lord. And many a man would take a woman out into the distance and harm her. And that's why Boaz said that. When you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars and the men that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a refugee, a foreigner, a stranger, a wayfarer? Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have found favor. And then the next few verses have this wonderful story of a date. Notice, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. I wonder if that was some kind of a delicious sticky bun. I don't know. But it, uh, it sounds pretty good to me. She ate all she wanted, and that sounds good to me too. She had some left over, and she got up to glean, and Boaz gave orders his men, let her be. This becomes the instant, romantic, but sovereignly planned position that God provided for the son of Rahab and Salmon, who prayed and trained their child up in the Lord. And when he might have wanted to go marry some Israelite girl who seemed not to love the Lord with all her heart, nonetheless, he waited because of the wise counsel of his parents. And in time, we see this wonderful little date there at the edge of the field with uh, roasted grain and bread and vinegar wine to dip in. Boy, that sounds good. How God supplies. You see, few in Israel were seeking godly women. He generously protected his laborers. Boaz was trained to greet them with blessing in the Lord's name. He admired a woman who would care for a senior citizen mother-in-law and all the aches and pains and lack of money that went with Naomi. If God gives you the care of a senior, relish in it and glory in it. When you have opportunity to do ministry, not just with something that's convenient, but with something that really taxes your spirits and your emotions and your finances. Grab a hold of it. Naomi did in a strange land, a land whose people and language and culture she did not know, but she strove by faith because God was redeeming her. Boaz appreciated this woman who forsook pagan idolatry for the living God and was trusting 
God's providence. And he invites her to this dinner date, and he provides her with gleanings. And I won't tell the whole story, but in chapter 3, we read in verse 3, Naomi said, wash up, perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. That sounds like a good prescription for a date. I don't know about you, but this sounds terrific. And it worked. If you read on the story, and I'll let you do that on your own. But she had groomed herself, anointed herself, and of all things, according to the custom of that day, she proposed to him. That's a switch, isn't it? For our American culture. But she, in the custom of the day, proposed marriage with him. He was all for it. He had to do one other thing. And that's the wonderful story of the kinsman redeemer. And that's for another sermon. But he accepted. You see, God's plan is always best. God surprised throughout the scriptures. And this particular man, Boaz, was really surprised with what God put on his table. Now, God's plan isn't always sweet and tidily put together. Uh, Just this week, I was talking with Bill Arnold. He shared with us at session that those flash floods that happened last week in Pittsburgh, where his son-in-law, Kevin, was in his first church in Murraysville. They had intensive ministry with the couples in that church. And three of the four or five people that drowned in that flash flood. We know what that's like after having seen what we saw today. A mother and two children that were under the tutelage, members of the Murraysville PCA Church, were drowned in that terrific flood. We prayed for this family. We prayed for God's comfort. Sadly, a father was left, and I think at least one or two other children It's a tough thing. God's will is perfect. It's best. But it is mysterious. And it may test us and try us. But God will be gracious. God gives us wonderful challenges. The challenge that was before these people, terrific. I read this week uh, in our church newsletter, Mission to North America, about an opportunity that has come to some of the churches down in Richmond. If you didn't get it, get one here at the church. But there are three churches down there that are reaching out to refugees, just as God reached out to refugees, Rahab, Ruth, and many of us. Down in Richmond, they have targeted to uh, reach into communities where there are great interracial uh, opportunities to reach people for the Lord. West End pastor Steve Shelby says, quote, the model is that wherever God plants you, you can figure out who lives there and how you can bless them. He goes on to describe ministry to Sudanese people and uh, such things as helping them in mercy, pay for their bills, provide for food, get coats for the winter, a rich relationship developed. And Steve adds, as we get to know our neighbors, we can see that even though we come from different cultures, we are alike in that we are sinners in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Within 25 years, he says, there will be no majority ethnic group in the Richmond metro area. If our focus is only on people like ourselves, our church won't be here in 25 years. This is who God is bringing here, and this is who God has called us to love. Incidentally, two other churches in that same Richmond area, churches in the PCA, our very own denomination, are doing things such as uh, English as a second language. Our lady says churches have a great deal of flexibility in the curriculum they use. Chapel Great Church and Grace Church chose a secular curriculum because it attracts many non-Christians to the program. As we develop relationships with our students, we invite them to other Bible-based ministries because they trust us. And finally, he says, Apple Great and Grace have also taught international Sunday school classes, mothers' groups, and book clubs, all of which teach English skills and introduce students to Christian concepts. ESL works in the hearts of both volunteers and students, says Nancy. Many ES volunteers have developed lasting relationships with their students. When our students ask why we are different, we tell them it's because of Jesus. That's what the gospel does. It reaches the most unusual, the strangest people. You read from Genesis through Revelation how strange it is the way God works. Perhaps there was a conversation in a field near Jerusalem 3,000 years ago. It might have been something like this, if you'll forgive my dramatization. Hey, boy, who are you? Why, I'm David, sir. Why, you're not too big. Just a scrawny, red-headed boy who keeps these stinky sheep with that little slingshot. Yep, that's me, youngest son of my father, Jesse. You mean Jesse from that little town of Bethlehem? Yep, Jesse, the son of Obed, my grandfather. Well, I never heard of Obed. Well, probably, but you may have heard of my great-grandmother, Ruth, from the other side of the Jordan River, the land of Moab, where all those bad Moabites are, who married my great-grandfather, Boaz. Oh, yeah, Boaz, I heard about him. But he was the son of Salmon the prince, but he, he married that wicked woman, Rahab. Yep, that's right. Rahab the harlot was my great-great-grandmother. And what a wonderful, surprising, grace-filled change came in my grandmother. I'm not ashamed of her. And from her and me will come our progeny, the one who will not be ashamed to call us his brethren. Finally, I want to read in Corinthians. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise 
by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things which are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Father, that is our boast, along with Paul. God forbid that we would glory, save in the cross of Christ. We praise you for your word tonight. Charge our pathways to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.